Thank you for listening in right now. Glad to have you here. My name is Nyla, and this is Greener Thoughts. I help you understand the environment today so you can experience a greener life. Let's connect online. You can reach Greener Thoughts by voice message. The anchor.fm link is in each episode's show notes. You can do so via the Anchor app or by email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. Greener Thoughts? Supporting Greener Thoughts ensures more giveaways are available with even more exciting prizes, future Greener Thoughts merchandise, and surprises found only on Greener Thoughts. I greatly appreciate and love all of the listeners who have tuned in and who support Greener Thoughts by doing good for the planet. One of the many ways I would love your support is by clicking the second lower link in the description section of this episode. It's the direct support link for Greener Thoughts. Hello, everyone. So there are just a few quick announcements, namely about the environmental holidays. I'm going to talk to you about one of the first ones for the month of June is actually early in June on June 5th. It is World Environment Day and it's a UN holiday. And so if you love the environment, all things about the environment or some things that you want to change in the environment, it's a good time to celebrate uh, at that time. And then last but not least, number two is Natural Trails Day, which is the first Saturday in June. So remember in June, the first Saturday of June is again National Trails Day. Next up is the segment Headlines from the Hemispheres. As you know, it is environmental news from all across the globe. And so all these stories are pretty different. And one of the first new stories is about tropical forests. So two-thirds of tropical forests are under threat in next decade. And so I scoured um, ENN.com and I found it on Environmental News Network. It took me a few hours to find the stories, but I went all the way back to uh, uh, June's information. So there was tons of different stories. And this one is out of the University of Leeds. And Leeds is as West uh, Yorkshire, England. So this is where the news is coming out of. There were scientists from the University of Leeds and they published in the journal Science this huge study and it involved a number of researchers from all over the world, about 226 researchers, and the cohort, the big large mass of researchers, they were studying carbon stock data in about 590, almost 600 permanent forest plots in uh, different regions around the world. So in South America, Africa, Asia, and also Australia. Um, But most of the data was in the Amazon region, which is located in South America. 
So the tropical forests, um, overall, they can develop resistance um, because of uh, warming uh, climate data and warmer, warmer uh, climate events. And 71% will be under threat in the next decade if global average uh, temperatures reach 2 degrees Celsius um, above pre-industrial levels. This is according to the study. The second headline is about um, ethnic minority groups. I hate that word, but that's just the uh, title of the research. It's, it's what it's concerning and the growing resistance about um, the coronavirus in England. So growing evidence that minority ethnic groups in England may be at higher risk of COVID-19, the coronavirus. So this is from ScienceDaily.com. I checked it out in the Science News section. And this is also from across the pond in Scotland in the UK. And so it comes out of the University of Glasgow. And it was suggesting that um, ethnic uh, groups, uh, those who maybe are minorities in England, particularly uh, those who are black, um, and then also those who are South Asian uh, peoples, um, that they are in an increased risk to being um, positive for the coronavirus compared to those from white British backgrounds, according to the study that was um, seen on Biomed Central on that website. So the authors found that compared um, to people um, who were, who are um, uh, white British, um, the risks of developing and, and having a, a positive outcome for the coronavirus, uh, those who are black, South Asian uh, minority groups, they were 3.4 and 2.4 times respectively uh, to test positive um, with people who were Pakistani uh, ethnicity to test and be the highest at the highest risk in the South Asian group. They were 3.2 times more likely to test positive. And then last but not least, there is uh, news about bees, specifically grooming behaviors and immunity. So bees grooming each other can boost colony immunity. And this is also on ScienceDaily.com in the Science News section. This was from uh, England, from the University of College London, and also the University of Florence in Italy. So there are a particular uh, set of bee roles, those who are known as the allogroomers. These type of bees are special because uh, they appear to have stronger immune systems, uh, especially um, it, it enables them to uh, fight off infection uh, within uh, the beehive. This was uh, from the findings that were published. Uh, in the scientific reports, and these bees are uh, really um, special because they remove um, debris from all the other bees with their mouths, and this can include parasites, pathogens, um, and they are special within the colony. But uh, the current study had focused on a particular type of bee, the western honeybee or apis uh, mellifera and it's a common uh, type of honeybee and so it's the world's uh, most notable one because it is so common and it's used mostly in honey production and in pollination uh, in uh, agriculture.
The source for the podcast episode's news comes from Cheehugger.com. I love Cheehugger.com. I've talked on their news quite a bit, and so we're going to um, deep dive into it for this episode. And uh, we've we talked about a food uh, specifically for a number of episodes, and recently, uh, two podcast episodes ago, we went ahead and covered food label certifications and the diverse types that are uh, around the nation here in the U.S., uh, those that are regionally in specific areas and also international symbols. And so we covered um, also terms uh, that are used um, and thrown around, like from the USDA, um, and also um, how important these labels are and how helpful they can be. So in continuing that discussion, I, I thought it would be great to cover GMO foods and the specific ones um, that recently uh, are not good to be eating. And if you didn't know uh, which ones to look for, then this is the perfect podcast episode to uh, listen into because nowadays uh, most foods aren't labeled uh, specifically GMO free unless they are are. Um, non-GMO project verified, which is a totally different uh, system, but nationally, there's no um, other um, way to tell if foods are GMO uh, free. So we're going to dive into uh, GMO uh, legislation and um, some recent information about that, and then the list of foods that you have to look out for. So we're going to deep dive into it because GMOs are no good. That's a simple title I just crafted for uh, this piece we're going to talk about. So what does the current uh, GMO legislation look like? Well, for starters, it all started with the Safe and Accurate Food Labeling Act of 2014. It was introduced and referred to subcommittee and then signed by President Obama. Um, but, um, regarding it, there hasn't really been much widespread official uh, labeling of, uh, specific products that happen to have GMO, um, ingredients in them. So with the legislation, it allowed, one of the things that it allowed amongst many things is that it allowed companies to use QR codes or even, uh, 1-800, uh, numbers for customers to call in, which isn't really the most user-friendly way when you're talking about um, deciding if you should even buy a product like cereal or fruit, for example, that are commonly um, uh, composed of GMO uh, ingredients or um, have some GMO uh, process to them. Um, And then number two, Uh, what the law did was it prevented individual states um, from having their own labeling laws, which happened uh, to uh, really uh, disrupt states like Vermont, which um, had a a law um, that required um, packaging uh, to be labeled uh, to have partially produced with genetic engineering on uh, the food. But uh, meanwhile, across the globe, 64 countries have clear, direct, intentional uh, labels when it comes to if a food is GM or not, or genetically modified. So they have it clear as day, mandatory on the packaging. It's not so much in the U.S. Not sure why. 
I want it to change. And so do many, many others across the uh, U.S. And so um, the FDA just, they're not doing their part when it comes to identifying uh, GM foods, genetically modified foods. And they haven't really conducted many safety studies on them. So it leaves the um, responsibility up to the companies that make their uh, foods. So next we're going to talk about some of these foods. Maybe you eat them a lot. Maybe you have um, recently crafted recipes around them or somehow they are getting into your diet slowly but surely. But to be on the safe side, we're going to cover them briefly and then proceed. So some of the list of genetically modified foods, the whole thing is the first one, corn. So this means everything from corn oil, corn meal, uh, corn starch, corn syrup, hominy, polenta, other types of corn-based ingredients. There's a few I'll get to a little bit later because they can be really insidious and they can um, be... Uh, kind of out of left field because you, you think that you're not eating corn but it's named under something else. Number two is canola as in canola oil. Uh, number three is cottonseed. Cottonseed is uh, cottonseed oil as an example. Number four are sugar beets. Now sugar beets, um, anything with sugar in the ingredient will definitely have some combination of uh, genetic uh, modification going on, uh, even sugar cane. Um, so uh, GM sugar beets are something to stay away from. Soybeans, there's number five, soybeans. So this means everything from soybean oil, um, soy protein, soy um, milk, soy tofu, um, just everything soy. Soy uh, lecithin, just everything that happens to be soy or maybe even mixed with soy. You want to be careful of. Um, number uh, six is alfalfa, which is normally fed to a livestock, livestock, but that happens to also be GMO. So there, uh, livestock are getting GMO right at the source, right where it all begins. Uh, number seven are apples, apples of all types. Um, they're definitely going to be arriving in stores in 2020, so be sure about them. Uh, the, the best thing to do is to opt for organic apples or to just avoid apples where you can if you can't find any organic apples, for example. Number eight is papaya. Now, papaya is found in a few places, but you're either going to either, either get it from um, Hawaii it's going to be Hawaiian uh, papaya or from China. So it's uh, traveling quite a distance. Number nine are potatoes. Potatoes are going to be um, genetically modified potatoes are going to be sold in at least 10 states um, uh, uh, within the last year they have. So within 2019, but even larger, um, the increasing number of states they're going to be available in. So if you don't want uh, genetically modified potatoes, opt out and buy other types of potatoes. Number 10 is yellow squash. I'm not really a fan of uh, too much squash, especially yellow squash. I don't eat it a lot. I probably eat it seldomly, but that's another food to avoid. And then lastly is zucchini at number 11. I'm going to leave you with a notable quotable before I proceed on with the program. So 
It does take time to change long-standing habits, but the more we avoid GMOs, the better we get at it and the more second nature it becomes. If you want to avoid GMOs, don't hesitate to start somewhere, even if it's just eating one non-GMO or organic meal a day." End quote. And that was from Melissa Dane-Smith, the author of Going Against GMOs, the Fast Growing Movement to Avoid Unnatural Genetically Modified Foods to Take Back Our Food and Health. Nowadays, we have to look out for so many different things, whether they're outside our homes, even inside our homes, we have to cross our, you know, T's and dot every I's, make sure that we are, you know, living our best healthy life. But what if we can't tell? What if GMOs aren't um, going to be a thing of the past? It's, it's crappy to think of a future where we're going to have to either create even more laws to get rid of the things that should never been because um, GMO foods, they shouldn't be around. Um, I, I I didn't sign up for a future where um, cereal is so sugar laden and it it has on some boxes that it's made with uh, partially genetically modified ingredients, namely the corn. The corn is in almost all cereals, all popular cereals at least. Some of the other ones I, I do eat are USDA organic, uh, but my favorite ones uh, up until recently... Um, were the ones from my childhood, like Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Corn Pops and and the ones that, you know, come in weird shapes. Uh, the ones from Kellogg's, you know, or even ConAgra because they hold a lot of the different brands of cereals here in the U.S. that we come to know and love. They aren't changing uh, their, their process of making foods. They're going to label the foods as such and how they want to, but cereals just aren't the same. And it's just... It it shouldn't it shouldn't be so difficult for for us as customers who make these these companies um, billion dollar companies to change the the dynamics so that we um, come out on top. I don't I don't want to buy cereal and then have to keep reading all that has genetically modified ingredients. I'm gonna just buy cereal that I want to buy and happens to be natural or organic. Um, and better for me. Um, I, I really, I almost get sick to my stomach when I, I realized that when I was little, I used to, you know, just eat these cereals and they had so much sugar in them. They weren't even nourishing. I, I'd love like oatmeal or cream of wheat or maybe apples or, you know, fruit parfait, something else, uh, versus eating cereal. And it's just, it's just disgusting. But, you know, I don't want food that's been altered in any way, you know, to be seedless or to bear more fruit, you know, or uh, unnaturally or uh, food that's been altered to fight off insects that naturally want to eat them. Um, and, and they and the insects don't even want to touch the food because it's been genetically modified and they can't uh, somehow be a, 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 uh, attracted to it. Or even food that's been modified to be a different color, like I don't. I, that's not natural. That's not. Um, there, there's, there's no way that that should be even warranted. But here in the U.S., um, I think food sometimes is lax um, when it comes to safety of food. 
Um, there are movements, yes, um, that are calling for changes in legislation and um, in, in trying to make food uh, healthier. Um, but it's not enough because if it was actually doing something, we would have had GMO food long been banned and it hasn't been banned. Um, sweeteners are another um, uh, uh, point of contention because a lot of times, um, you know, cereal used to, you know, give you energy and be used to be, you know, chock full of uh, good stuff. And, you know, kids nowadays, they're getting so many hefty grams of sugar uh, beyond their normal sugar intake daily. Um, so you have to watch out for that. Um, even in the, the snack bars, you have to watch out for that. Um, milk, I don't even drink milk anymore. I always drink like coconut milk. Um, I do want to, you know, dive into cashew milk. Almond milk is okay, but it's not my favorite. Coconut milk is a favorite for me. So I use that to drink. Um, and it's, it's, it's healthy beyond measure. Um, but for me, I, I hate, um, the process that GMO is. It's not, it's not natural. It's not, um, it's, 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 it's made money for the companies that are, are using that type of technology, but there are ramifications down the line. And we know the ramifications health-wise um, that these, these, these foods um, are hidden in plain sight. And here in the U.S., we don't know directly which are which unless they're labeled organic or you know, from farms that you can trust. But not everyone has access to those type of foods. So we have to uh, do the tips in you know, the next segment, which are pretty easy to do. Um, to, you know, have foods that are healthy, you know, not have GMO foods and not buy those because they are pretty crappy and we should leave those foods on the shelves where they belong. The Mother Earth Minutes is where we all review in the next few minutes proactive things that we can do to combat the issue in the episode and to protect Mother Earth. This is fun. This is a great time in the show. And so we're going to get to it uh, with some quick tips. Uh, if you hate GMOs like I do and all types of genetically modified foods, you are going to appreciate these easy, easy tips. One of the first things is to avoid uh, GMOs at all costs and to switch to eating organically raised beef and chicken and also things like wild caught fish and organic eggs. Those are definitely clearly labeled um, in stores all across uh, the U.S., uh, if not the world. And so you're going to be looking for meat that's clearly labeled organic um, or 100% grass-fed. In Giant, for example, one of the um, grocery stores I love shopping in, they have a whole section dedicated to um, produce and also meats, all types that are 100% grass-fed, organic. They even have their own um, uh, store brand of organic, uh, foods and also other types of products like cleaning products and, and such. Those are of course in different aisles, but yes, also for other foods like fish, uh, other types of, um, uh, poultry, like chicken and turkey, etc., eggs, all types of meat. Those are also going to be non-GMO project verified. So you'll be able to look for that seal, which we talked about a few podcast episodes ago. Um, you can look for food that is USDA organic and has a special seal and also, of course, food that has the non-GMO project verified label on it and in food on foods in all types of grocery stores. So 
Uh, with the foods that have the USDA organic seal, they're going to um, be, of course, without the use of GMOs, synthetic chemical pesticides, fertilizers, sewage sludge, irradiation, artificial sweeteners, or even dyes, and they don't have um, antibiotics or uh, uh, fake or artificial growth hormones in the process of um, cultivating those meat, the, the meat, uh, dairy, or even eggs. And then product products um, that have the GMO, the non-GMO product verified seal, those have been independently verified and they've been in compliance with uh, vigorous standards uh, when it comes to in North America, um, you know, GMO avoidance and testing um, ingredients. So they do their due diligence and all you have to do is buy the food. And um, I think that that's really important. And so with the number two tip is um, buying or trying um, dried grains, beans, uh, nuts and seeds, um, but accept corn and soy because we all know those are popular crops. Um, but most often, nuts and beans, um, those are probably going to be your safer bet um, than uh, other ingredients like corn and soy for different types of other products. Uh, number three is to beware of invisible GM ingredients. Now, this is the part um, that I, I hinted on a little bit earlier because corn can disguise itself for number as number one being in so many other things. I'm going to just talk about the um, different ingredients uh, present, but there are so many that uh, even corn can disguise itself as. So whey, uh, xanthan gum, uh, glutamate, uh, hydrolyzed vegetable protein, lactic acid, uh, circulose, citric acid, um, mono and diglycerides like it can be so many things and it can be um, absorbic acid uh, firmic acid um, baking powder can sometimes be disguised as, as having corn ingredients in them um, vanilla extract you have to be aware of um, fructose um, so many different things semolina uh, white vinegar for example um, sucrose sorbitol there are so many different ingredients um, uh, that uh, are labeled uh, as different things, but they're made of corn or, or derived from corn. So these are just some examples, but you have to, you know, be aware and maybe, you know, do a couple searches for ingredients that are similar to corn or derivatives of corn because they're out there. Uh, number four is to assume that all non-organic corn, soy, cottonseed, and canola uh, ingredients are GMO. So if it's not explicitly um, labeled as organic or free from GMOs, then it's GMO. Don't don't um, give it the benefit of the doubt, the labeling of the product. Those companies know what they're doing. And most often than not, if it's not uh, labeled that it's uh, non-organic, um, if it's not labeled organic, then it's either, you know, not organic and not natural for you. So uh, beware of all those ingredients, of course, corn, soy, cottonseed, and canola ingredients. 
Number five is to check out the 2020 list for the Dirty clean, uh, 12 and the Dirty 15 uh, foods. There's a there's a few lists, two lists particular for the year 2020. And you can check out the Environmental Working Group's website. Their website is e, um, www.ewg.org. And then go to Food uh, News. You can search Dirty 12 or Dirty 15 for their lists because um, they craft new lists every single year of the top um, dirty uh, foods, uh, usually fruits and vegetables, and then also the clean uh, versions um, that don't have as many pesticides uh, on them. And then last but but not least, number number six um, is to um, check out my... uh, last podcast episode a few podcast episodes ago um called food labels demystified 16 certifications you need to know that was episode 158 and if you have listened to it thank you so much if you haven't be sure to uh, check it out share it with a friend that is a, a nifty episode you would love um it breaks down all the different certifications food labels everything you need to know concerning them fact of the day is that only half of the Bureau of Land Management staff in Washington, D.C. will move when the agency's headquarters is relocated to Grand Junction, Colorado. That fact was sourced from the Sierra Club, Sierra Magazine, in the May-June 2020 issue. The Eco Company Spotlight is the point in the program where we are now. Uh, So we're going to talk about an amazing company, a pretty good one with tons of different products, drink products. Um, I've been doing tons of reviews about different uh, products. doesn't have to be drink form, um, but I love doing them and I love talking about them every single podcast episode and it's been super fun. As you know, I've been doing it for a bit now since February 2019 and I learned new things, um, especially uh, information about different products that each company has, services, everything. And so I'm going to uh, talk about one of my latest uh, favorite ones. As you know, you can always uh, inform me about products or services that are eco-friendly that you know about by voice message or email at greenerthoughtspodcast at gmail.com. And so uh, the uh, next company I'm going to let you know about is called Hum. And so Hum started uh, way back in 2008. Uh, and it was a conversation between both founders, Michelle and Jamie, and they're from out of Bend, Oregon. And so they were chatting and laughing, and Michelle happened to be uh, brewing some kombucha. Uh, and so she learned the recipe from her mother-in-law and um, had some you know, time perfecting it. And so Hum um, was sort of built out of that. And so um, they wanted to grow Hum and they love kombucha. I love kombucha. And so they wanted to make people feel good. And so they started a Hum and they grew Hum. So Hum products are amazing, uh, specifically because they are committed to sustainability. Um, and so they have uh, some of the same 
um, uh, components of sustainability uh, when it comes to them also being uh, certified uh, non-alcoholic, gluten-free, uh, non-GMO, uh, USDA certified organic, vegan products, of course, and amazing recyclable packaging. I cannot get enough of that. They have different uh, products when it comes to their company. They have their 12-ounce cans. They have their 14-ounce um, glass bottles, and then they have uh, Hum Zero, which um, is its own um, category of different uh, drinks. And of course, it's all non-alcoholic, very tasty. With their 12-ounce cans, they have blueberry mint, coconut lime, uh, hopped uh, grapefruit, and mango passion fruit. And for their 14-ounce glass bottles, they have pineapple pineapple turmeric, blackberry, raspberry hops, ginger, juniper, hopped grapefruit, uh, pine, uh, pomegranate lemonade, which sounds delicious, uh, coconut lime, uh, lemon uh, ginger, strawberry lemonade, mango passion fruit, and also blueberry mint. And then with their Hum Zero, they have those in flavors of ginger lemonade, blood orange, peach tea, and raspberry lemonade, and all their prices are in U.S. dollars. And so uh, with the Hum products, I've tried a few of them, all three different drinks. They have so many, but I've only tried a few different ones, but they were for the most part great. I love fruity kombucha in general. It's really the best. And I fell in love with the mango passion fruit. I love mangoes. I just don't know if it's a tropicalness or my, you know, Jamaican, part of my Jamaican ancestry. But I love, like, fruit in general, like everything. And so the kombucha, each one is different. Like, no two um, drinks are the same. Even between brands of any kombucha I've ever tried, none of them taste the same as another one. Um, So that is really um, special. I think about kombucha in particular, um, but I drank like all the bottles, um, except I hated the ginger juniper. I did not drink that too much at all. I drank a few, probably half a bottle of one of those, um, but I, I felt like I was drinking the essence of a flower, and I didn't appreciate that. Even though I love ginger, I didn't appreciate the juniper side of it. I guess it's just that part. I just didn't appreciate it. Um, but definitely the mango passion fruit would be number one for me. Then number two would be the uh, blueberry mint. I've, I've had that. Um, and then lastly, the ginger juniper. Um, the blueberry mint, I'd say, was like 80% hit for me. It wasn't uh, bad at all. It was pretty good because I love blueberry in general. Um, but I would definitely try any other flavor than the ginger juniper. Just saying. Um... So it's great overall. You could have it by itself with some lunch, like a sandwich and some chips. You could have it, you know, for dinner, you know, maybe a special occasion. You know, you're feeling uh, uh, ultra healthy or you're celebrating something. It's a it's a great special type of drink. Um, you know, you don't have to drink it uh, every day, every week. But it is, you know, safe for kids, teens, adults, pregnant women. I checked the FAQs. Um, it's, it's, it's great for cookouts, everything, um, especially with the metal packaging. So it's eco-friendly and also non-alcoholic. So it's pretty uh, great to drink. So I'd give it as a rating 4.8 out 
out of five a green thumbs up and the packaging again is recyclable it's really awesome the pricing is definitely also affordable and so when hum uh, it can be found in stores uh, all across um, different places and also online you just have to go to the website uh, hum kombucha H-U-M-M-K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A dot com. You can find it at Costco, Giant, Harris Teeter, Natural Grocery Stores, Shoppers, Target, Walmart, Wise, and other fine stores in the U.S. and abroad in Canada, Guam, and also Sweden. Hum can be found on tons of different social media platforms, of, uh, including Facebook, and you can find them at Hum Kombucha, Hum, H-U-M-M, Kombucha, K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A. They're also on Instagram at Hum Kombucha, LinkedIn at Hum Kombucha, Pinterest at Hum Kombucha, Twitter at Hum Kombucha, and also on YouTube at Hum Kombucha. I recently subscribed uh, to their YouTube channel. To contact Hum Kombucha, just go to their uh, website. Again, that is Hum Kombucha, H-U-M-M-K-O-M-B-U-C-H-A. And then go to contact us at the bottom of the website to message them directly. This is the end of the program. I want to thank you for listening. Uh, all this information was really, really helpful, but I'm really glad to have shared it, to have found all of it, even though it took a little bit um, to, you know, gather everything. I had fun generally with this podcast episode, you know, finding uh, newer uh, foods to, of course, avoid and not eat or even to, you know, find out which ingredients uh, to not eat, you know, which was helpful, um, especially corn, as we all know, which comes in so many different uh, types and then foods and it can be disguised as almost anything it's so um, hard to sort of you know find out you know what's corn and what's not when you know you gotta share the info so I really hope that if you hate GMOs and genetically modified food but you loved this podcast episode thank you and I really hope that you share this knowledge uh, with someone else who also hates GMOs maybe they've had a bad a history or story related to GMOs and so you want to you know share it with them or maybe you know this will remind them um, to you know give this information to other people because maybe they're also affected as well we don't know but uh, in any regard I just want to you know thank you again so much for listening um, and taking the time out to listen to this great information and to share it, you know, and to rate the podcast, to do so much, um, you know, for Greener Thoughts and coming in all the time uh, to uh, uh, take a listen and to share the goodness of Greener Thoughts. Um, so until next time, thank you again and be sure to look out for another podcast episode coming up in the near future. I wish you uh, wellness and to please take care of yourselves, everyone out there, and to please take care of the planet. Be well. Bye.